The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the EPA podcast that is Eagles player analysis led by myself, Victor Williams, and my co-host here, Shane Half. Appreciate you guys for joining us for another episode. Uh, Got some great feedback on the debut episode last week. Uh, Some feedback we probably didn't deserve, but (laughs) but great feedback. Uh, Nonetheless, appreciate you guys for, for tuning in to Bleeding Green Nation here and checking us out and keeping up with all the Eagles coverage even throughout the bye week and the Phillies and everything that's going on in the city of Philadelphia. I'm your host, like I mentioned, Victor Williams. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else at the Philly Pod. Be sure to do the same for my partner here, Shane Half at plug all your handles because I don't know if they're different, the same. I don't, I still don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just at half and half underscore TPL on Twitter. And then in my Twitter bio is the best place to find anything else. Link tree. Uh, I hit, one. yeah, got the link tree. I hit 100 subscribers on YouTube, but YouTube is going to the handles thing now and I still don't qualify. So it's still just a whole bunch of random letters and numbers. So hopefully uh, that'll be fixed soon. I actually just uh, actually just launched. Well, not launched yet, but I just created my my YouTube channel. I've like basically done all the other avenues like Twitter, Instagram, podcasting. Now I've ignored YouTube for as long as possible to this point. Like now I just have to bite the bullet because I don't think I'm a great like I don't think I have the greatest camera presence, which is why I've strayed away from YouTube. But I have to get in that mix. So I just started the channel and I'm designing the thumbnails and it is it is a lot of work. But here we are. Trying to trying to figure it out. Who knows when I'll get a YouTube handle? Shane will, Shane will beat me to that. But be sure to go. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, not. Follow my, my YouTube is all just for like all 22 stuff. Everything else I would rather just podcast. That's what people want to watch though. That's what people yeah, all 22, watch. I needed a place to put it. And so the YouTube is new and it shot up to 100 subscribers. So hopefully... Hopefully we can get that handle soon. Hey man, it's all about staying in the uh, in the algorithm. Like I mentioned, so the Eagles coming off the bye week still remain six and zero. Obviously, all the other NFC East teams won their games and closed the gap. Giants are now six and one. Still don't buy into them, but they have a heck of a coaching staff. But as long as Daniel Jones leads the charge over there, I'm not scared of them. Dallas won upon Dak's return, and of course the Commanders won the minute they benched Carson Wentz, which is not a shock to anybody so Shane before we get into the uh, preview matchup with the Steelers what is your kind of perception I like how we talk about like a whole rundown before the show and now we're already like veering off track because we didn't even talk about this but what is just your uh, general like takeaways reactions to how the NFC East is right now the least the NFC least is no more and we're once again the best division of football I think 
the Cowboys are the second best team in the NFC. Uh, you need to see Dak sort of get back in a rhythm. Their offense hasn't been great, uh, but it was his first game since week one. So assuming their offense comes up to like an average level, like I think they're a contender in the NFC and the Giants, they keep winning. It keeps being close, but it's a possibility given the state of the NFC that the three best teams are in the NFC East. And that's just kind of crazy. I think all three teams are going to make the playoffs uh, this season. So you could probably look to a divisional rematch in a playoff game this off season. Yeah. I mean, with the way the, the rest of the NFL even looks, it's hard to find let it, good teams, let alone great teams. Like we talked about it to an extent last week, it's Eagles, Chiefs, Bills, and like maybe the Giants, maybe the Vikings, you can count as as upper echelon teams. But man, every everyone else is not looking great. It is a struggle just to find good teams in the NFL right now. But us as Eagles fans and, uh, you know, Eagles uh, analysis, we're not going to complain on this end because if the stars are ever going to align, this is uh, this is going to be the year. So the upcoming Steelers now, Kenny Pickett uh, out of what was it? He was in concussion protocol or whatever he was in played last week. Didn't look great. Seven interceptions, just two touchdowns. It has been a rough ride for him over there in Pittsburgh. And Mike Tomlin just might be on the horizon of his first career losing season as a head coach. I don't think he's had one yet, but he just might have one uh, this year. What are some early uh, indications of how you think that this Eagles game is going to go this Sunday in the Battle of Pennsylvania? It's not really going to be a battle, in my opinion, but we'll still call it the the Battle of PA. (laughs) Yeah, I I think... Pickett is obvious. I think Pickett is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, but the fact that we have to say, I think that that's not good. It doesn't bode well for the Steelers. Uh, Their only win since week one was against the Buccaneers, which doesn't look that impressive now as the Buccaneers dropped another game to the Panthers. The lowly Panthers, the fire sale Panthers at the. (laughs) Yeah. And, And at that, Kenny Pickett got hurt and Mitch Trubisky came in and led that, led that charge down the stretch. So, as I've watched Pickett, I've seen some things that I like from him. Uh, he, he's athletic to a degree. I mean, he's not a Kyler Murray, but he likes to make plays scrambling with his feet. Uh, so he wins with athleticism. He takes a lot of checkdowns, doesn't really push the ball downfield. 70% of his passes this season have been under 10 yards. So it's going to be a lot of underneath things. When he does try to push the ball downfield, it just doesn't go well. On 20-plus yard passes, Uh, He's completed the same number of passes to the defense as he has to the offense going five of 14 with five interceptions. So there's just not much of a vertical threat with the offense. And so it really should allow the Eagles to get aggressive, to challenge those underneath throws and just, you know, challenge Pickett to win in a way that he hasn't. And that's pushing the ball downfield against Darius Slay and against James Bradbury. Yeah, despite their lack of production, the Steelers have uh, they have a, a talented group of receivers, I would say. Deontay Johnson, who was a part of that 2019 crop of wide receivers, that got, a draft class rather, that got paid last offseason. You have uh, George Pickens, who I, I'm not going to say I wasn't too high, high on him in the draft, but I thought there was a lot of red flags there. Uh, but he's he's been pretty good thus far. And Chase Claypool is apparently on the trade block. Is that a rumor? Is that a report? I don't know, but I'm seeing his name running around the trade block. So they'll have to figure out what they're going to do with Chase Claypool. Like you mentioned, the defense is going to be able to key in on on Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. Pickett, as talented as he is, I think he is a much better quarterback than what he's shown thus far. He was the first quarterback off the board for a reason in the draft, and he fell further than what I thought he was going to fall. (laughs) So I I think the talent is there, but the Pittsburgh Steelers just have a lot of stuff to figure out but they have some pieces in place Najee Harris I'm a big fan of and I think 
that they can do some things that just won't be fun for them against the uh, against against the Eagles. The Eagles have outscored their opponents by 34 points in three home matchups, and the Steelers have been outscored by 50 in their four away games this year. And when they're facing a a well-rested Eagles team, I don't I don't think it's going to go <laughs> too well for them and company. If there was one key matchup, Shane, if there's one key matchup that the Eagles fans, I wouldn't say should be worried about, but one key matchup that they, they should have their eyes on that could propose a problem at some point during the game. What matchup would you say that would be? If we're looking at the Steelers offense against the, the Eagles defense, I think it is George Pickens. You mentioned mm-hmm. him. Uh, I loved Pickens in the draft. I, I actually had a first round grade on Pickens. and A lot of people did. He fell to the second Bummer. round, and I started to question myself. But then, when the Steelers picked him, it's it's kind of like if the Steelers pick a receiver, you just ask yourself what you miss because the Steelers have done so well picking receivers. And Pickens has been Kenny Pickett's favorite target. He plays almost exclusively outside, and he's the only vertical element of their offense. And the vertical element of their offense is throwing contested catch balls to George Pickens, and he's done so so well in those situations. He's aggressive at the catch point, and so I think you watch how the Eagles handle that, whether they put Darius Slay or James Bradbury on him. I think Bradbury is a little more physical corner than Slay. Mm -hmm. He's a little taller. Maybe you would put Bradbury on him. Either way, I would be committed to having a safety draped over the top of that, especially in any of the long yardage situations where you're likely to just get that vertical ball. But if you can take away the threat of George Pickens, which is easier said than done because he is so good at the catch point, I really don't know how the Steelers move the ball other than long, methodical drives. And I, I don't trust Pickett to continually make the right decisions to sustain a 15-play drive against this defense. Yeah, I don't think that's going to bode, <laughs> bode well for the George Pickens so far this season. 26 catches, 338 yards, uh, one touchdown. I was kicking myself because before the season started, for for the degenerate gamblers out there, which I consider myself one, George Pickens was plus 5,000 odds to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. After one preseason game, it shot all the way up to like plus 1,000, and the cash out is already looking pretty good for that, and I ignored it because I wasn't in love with him in the draft, and yet another draft take that 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 I have to take an L on because I just didn't – I thought the red flags were just, were just too much to overcome in, in Pickens' case. But I think he has – he owns one of the – one of the highlight reel catches this year, that over the shoulder, crazy, like one hand, whatever it was. So he already has one of the better catches that we've seen so far this season. And if Kenny Pickett can put it on the money, uh, they can do some damage. But to your point, Shane, Bradbury is the bigger of the two corners, the more physical of the two. Uh, as as far as the numbers say, well, I'm not saying he's better than Slay, but the numbers, and obviously he's matched up on, on number two guys all year long, but the numbers say he's the better of the two as well. <laughs> so so I, I expect Bradbury to be able to... Uh, to handle that, Slay's probably going to be on Deontay Johnson, and they'll figure out what they're going to do with Chase Claypool, who's still trying to figure out what his role is, hence the uh, hence the trade rumors thus far. Along the offensive line for the Steelers, Shane, uh, we, we know the Eagles propose problems on defense, and I think they're tied for seventh in sacks right about now. They generate good pressure, and there might be another pass rusher on the way. We'll have to see how that shakes out in a week or so. But how do you think the Pittsburgh offensive line is going to fare against the tenacious Eagles defense. You have Reddick, you have Sweat, Brandon Graham. Actually, kind of shallow at that spot since since Derek Barnett has been gone. But thankfully, everybody has has stayed healthy. Is there anything to is there anything to to worry about along the offensive line for Pittsburgh, or is this going to be a potential murder scene we're going to see at Lincoln Financial Field? I think that the Steelers' offensive line. You know, everybody remembers the Steelers' offensive line being a joke. 
over the last couple of years, how awful that it's been. And I'm not saying that their offensive line is great by any means now, but it's certainly uh, been better. If you look uh, in terms of like ESPN's pass block win rate, they're, they're not as bad as people think that they would have been. They're not a great team by any mean. They're still down. Uh, they're, they're at 10th, 62% in pass block win rate. So it's not a terrible pass blocking offensive line. They really struggle as a run blocking team. They're 27th in run block win rate. And you see that really easily when you look at their DVOA, their yards per carry, that they're 3.7 yards per carry this year, which is ranked 28th in the league. They have the 30th ranked rushing DVOA. Uh, they're 28th in rushing EPA. So they can't run the football, which mm-hmm. bodes well for an Eagles defense that wants to dare you to run the football and then struggles to stop it. Uh, in terms of pass protection, I feel like they've been solid. They're not an elite unit. There's certainly better units in the league, but I think they'll hold their own. I, I think if you get after Pickett a lot in this game, it's going to be a lot more just that rookie mentality of bailing out of the pocket, maybe bailing out of some pockets into pressure than it is actually going to be the Eagles defensive line, just dominating the Steelers uh, pass rushing. And, and that's okay. I wonder if you see an approach like the Eagles took against the Cardinals with Kyler Murray and obviously Pickett and Murray are not nearly the same yeah. level as athletes, <laughs> but in that game, it felt like the Eagles were committed to keeping Murray in the pocket and not letting him scramble. There was a lot of contain rushes. There was some QB spies. Uh, Kazir White was spying a decent amount. I wonder if they're going to take that approach with Pickett or if they just won't worry about it unless he starts to beat him. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I would imagine the pass rush will be a little bit slower this game just due to his mobility and their their offensive line playing a little better in pass protection. Yeah, the uh, the blueprint for this game certainly looks like it's going to be the Steelers. They don't have a lot of big play potential unless it's Pickens, like you mentioned. So it looks like it's going to be a slow pace, uh, as as it always tends to be with the way the Steelers uh, uh, play football. But the Steelers have failed to score more than 23 points in every game this year, and they've only scored more than 20 I think twice they've scored under under 20 in five of seven games this year. So it's looking like, again, for us gamblers, the under, I think it's 43 and a half. The under is certainly uh, uh, the play there. Shane, I don't know how much of a of a of a gambler you are, but but the spread right now is, I, I believe, 10 and a half, which means the Eagles, if you win that bet, if the Eagles win by 11 points or more, if if you already knew that. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, you know, to dumb it down for you, but uh, how, how confident are you that the Eagles win this game by at least 10 and a half, just for the gamblers out there that are potentially looking at that spread? I, I feel like the Eagles should cover that spread. Right. Um, you know, it, it's a home game. You're playing off of your bye week against a team that has a rookie quarterback that struggles to run the ball, which is your biggest weakness. TJ Watt is still out. Like all the matchups are advantageous for the Eagles. And yet it's so hard for me to ever take a, you know, a double digit spread. You get into garbage time and weird things happen in garbage time. So I sort of make it a personal rule never to bet double digit spreads. But Mm -hmm. if I was picking the game, I would say that the Eagles should win by double digits. I would have said the same thing against Arizona, though, and that turned out (laughs) to be a little closer. So anything over like seven for me because I hate I I hate the hook and I feel like six and a half like I can do it because you only need a touchdown so anything like over that I'm like backdoor covers are are a hell of a thing a piece of news that could potentially alter that spread that just came out Nick Sirianni said on his press conference just now that Lane Johnson is still in concussion protocol so we'll have to keep an eye 
on uh, on that. Who's next in line? Jack Driscoll, if if he can't go. Yeah, it'd have to be Andre Dillard. Can't play right tackle. No, he so. cannot. Do not put him there. Goodness gracious! <laughs> so it would have to be Jack Driscoll. Um, um, another note on the on the Steelers offense, though. Watching, I watched the Miami game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game they just played on Sunday Night Football. I rewatched that, and one of the things I noticed is Miami likes to get up and they like to challenge you in man coverage. And once the Steelers' offense started going, I think Pickett had like a seven seven for seven drive, scored a touchdown they started to transition out of those press man looks into softer zone coverage. And they were giving picket checkdowns and he was happy to take them even to the detriment of the offense. Like there was one sequence where they had got six yards on first down. It's a second and four. And he took back-to-back checkdowns to a running back and then they punted. So had a second and four back-to-back pass completions. Couldn't pick up four yards. Uh, I think this will be a big game for the Eagles to rally and tackle which is a little scary because the I tackling's mean, been subpar. If you're going to play that sort of game, if you're going to play that sort of soft, give up the checkdowns, you do have to be able to come up and make the tackles. So that's also something to keep an eye on from the Eagles defense perspective in this one. Yeah, uh, we definitely have seen our fair share of missed tackles. Marcus Epps is a culprit of that. He's always going for the uh, – as, as great as he's been this year, he's always going for the big hit. So so Bradbury has been caught a few times, especially week one. I think Swift caught him pretty bad uh on the recoveries so yeah they need to they need to wrap their guys up because they have players that can that, that can make some plays but the eagles defense is surely talented enough uh to keep them at bay and the offense certainly isn't uh what's the word they they, they don't have enough continuity to 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 really challenge the eagles defense again we can get into these trap situations uh they, they have a, a few games coming up that could be trap situations after a bye week um so you don't you don't know maybe that maybe the rest kind of gets to them is this a game do you think that the uh that the extra rest catches up to the eagles you think they come out rusty or is jalen hurts and company so locked in and so driven to the point where that's probably not going to matter yeah i'm not concerned about that with yeah i'm not under center i just (laughs) i don't think that the team is going to come out like that the rest comes at a good time you know normally you don't like the early buy but as Mm -hmm. banged up as the offensive line was uh, it comes at a good time. Obviously, if Lane Johnson, Johnson's still in concussion protocol, he would have missed a game had it yeah, not it's been serious. by. Yeah. It, it's pretty likely that he would be out by Sunday, I would imagine, two weeks. Um, he might not practice much this week, but I'm not concerned about them coming out rusty. What I'm more concerned about is I would love for them to just put this game away and maybe get yeah. a few of those banged-up guys, the starters, out because they are going to turn around again in five days and play Houston on Thursday night football. So, Anything you can do to put that game away early, park the bus, shorten the game, whatever you need to do, it would be nice not to sweat that one out late into the fourth quarter with a Thursday night game looming right after. Yeah, yeah, I think it's <laughs> it's going to be. Uh, they if Lane Johnson misses it, I don't think I think this is a game where they can afford to. Probably all the way up until Green Bay, I continuously say the Eagles you know, knock on wood will probably be 10 and no, and they won't be challenged until green Bay comes around, but maybe it won't be till Tennessee because green Bay doesn't even look all that great. I believe uh, Dickerson was in and out of the last game as well. So, so we'll have to keep an eye on his injury status. So yeah, the buy certainly came at a good time would have been without Lane Johnson for one game and, and surely looks like he has the potential to miss this game as well. Uh, Shane, is there anything, obviously it's Wednesday and it's early and, and, uh, you know, the previews are, are all going to come filing in, of course, after we do this show. But is there anything else we have to uh, touch on the Steelers and the, and the key matchups before we go ahead to a break and come back with mailbag and trade deadline talk? 
Uh, one last thing I would say offensively, and then I got a, a note on the defense too, but mm-hmm. offensively, Kenny Pickett's clearly better utilizing play action than when he's not. Oh, he's yeah. Completion yeah. percentage <laughs> jumps from 66% to 82% with the play, play action. action. Is the play uh, action is a young quarterback's best friend, I like to believe. Yeah. And uh, fortunately for the Eagles, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers, he doesn't use it that much. 17% of dropbacks, <laughs> they use play action. So um, it is something to keep an eye on. Uh, the Cowboys utilize play action against the Eagles well. When you struggle to stop the run, a lot of times your linebackers, your second level will start to overcommit on play action. And so that's something you can keep an eye on for the Steelers uh, if they start to utilize play action to get some chunk plays. And then flipping over to the defensive side, the Steelers like to play a lot of man coverage. Their mm-hmm. man cover rates a little over 40% on the year, which is sixth in the NFL. I just don't know how you do that against the Eagles though. You have Jalen Hurts mobility. And so if you decide to play man coverage, you don't have eyes on the quarterback. If he can break the pocket like he's so good at doing, it's a big play waiting to happen. And then even removing his mobility, how are you going to play man coverage on Devonta Smith, on A.J. Brown, on Dallas Goddard? Like there's going to be exploitable matchups for the offense there. So I think the Steelers should probably play a little more zone than they like to in this game, or they're going to have to spy on Hurts. And you know, who do you spy Hertz with? Miles Jack, Devin Bush are both athletic, but Hertz is bigger than both of them. Right. Like, he'll run them over. <laughs> we talk about cornerbacks trying to like make a play in a run fit. Well, that's kind of the same dynamic when you have one of those guys trying to come up and hit Hertz. So I think this is a big game for the Eagles in terms of rushing. It's a good matchup uh, for their interior offensive line. They're so good at working up to the second level. Uh, I would look for that. Uh, Miami attacked the Steelers with a lot of quick throws and then a lot of RPOs and play action. Pittsburgh chose to play backed off of the line because of the speed of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And the Eagles don't have those speed threats. They have Quez Watkins. He's obviously not the same caliber player as Hill or Waddell. Right. Maybe you'll get some of those deeper shots to Quez Watkins in this game, though, get him back involved. And if they choose to get up and press, you know that the Eagles like the ability of A.J. Brown downfield in single coverage. So I I don't know how you defend the offense. If you're the Steelers defense without TJ Watt, they're just a different animal. And I just don't think they have the answers for the Eagles offense. Yeah. The uh, omission of TJ Watt and that defense was, was a good point. I do remember seeing that, that the uh, Steelers would likely be without him and he's a big deal in that defense. So they have to try and try and make up for that kind of production because he was the defensive player of the year last year. No. So they have to, (laughs) There, there's, there's definitely things to be had. Uh, the with game that. that they won against the Buccaneers was the first game they've won without TJ Watt since he was drafted. They were like 0 and 8 when he's missed games before that. So, yeah, uh, he's not... a key cog of how they run their defense, and it looks like he's going to be out again. Yeah, that's 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 not not ideal, not ideal. If you had to guess, and I'm I'm going to test your uh, football history here. If you had to guess who's winning the all-time series right now between the Eagles and the Steelers, who would you who would you give the nod to? I would, it would be no more than a coin flip because I honestly have no idea. <laughs> but I'll say the Steelers. The Steelers historically had some good football teams. So I'll just take a flying guess. Yep. And they never beat the Eagles with those teams. No, I'm kidding. But uh, the, the Eagles lead that series 49, 28, and 1. So the Eagles are pretty dominant uh, on the Steelers. But for the times that we have been alive, that's very fair. The Eagles have had, or the Steelers have had some, uh, have had some very good teams. Uh, and those, uh, those early 2000s and those late 2000s Steelers teams. Were, uh, were, were very formidable. 
uh, in the least. So hoping for a uh, a seven and no record come Sunday, obviously to continue the bedlam in Philadelphia with the with the Phillies winning the pennant and every and the Sixers finally got a win. So it's about time we <laughs> we saw that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right here with Bleeding Green Nation. We're going to come back. Uh, with a mailbag, we have some questions from Twitter as well as some potential trade deadline targets. The November 1st deadline is just six days away. And as we all know, Howie Roseman does not sit on his hands at the deadline. So we'll have some potential targets uh, for you guys when we come back from the break. Uh, keep it locked right here on Bleeding Green Nation here at the EPA podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the second segment of the EPA podcast here on BGN Radio. Uh, We are going to get into a mailbag. I put out a mailbag on Twitter yesterday, and you guys responded. So we've got a few of your questions that we want to dive into to close out this bi-week episode of the EPA podcast. So our first question, it comes in from at uh, Dat Lee on Twitter. He said, the second half of the season after an early buy will be long and arduous. And we've talked about, you know, the, the disadvantages of an early buy, but how it sort of played in the Eagles' favor here. He asks, what is the single most catastrophic injury the Eagles could have in the second half of the season? And he threw out a few examples, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jason Kelsey, A.J. Brown, uh, Victor, now let's remove Jalen Hurts from this equation because obviously your quarterback going down would be the most devastating injury for almost any team. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Hurts aside, what do you think would be the most catastrophic injury the Eagles could have down the stretch? Hey man, the Minshew fans wouldn't be uh too too wouldn't be in agreement with you saying that he can he can run this offense says uh, says some people. But man, this when when I take a look at the positions and of the very few weaknesses on this roster. The one that stood out to me even during the offseason and the one that still stands out to me now is uh, is backup tight end. Because Dallas Goddard, if if knock on wood, for whatever reason we lose him, it's Jack Stahl, it's rookie, six-round rookie Grant Calcaterra, and it's we, we still don't have Tyree Jackson back. And where's was Noah Tongia even still around? Is he like on the practice squad somewhere? So so that, that backup tight end spot is is very, very shaky. If we lose Goddard, it's it's borderline like frightening like it's kind of devastating if you if you if you lose him because jack stall is more of the blocker calcaterra is is more of the receiver and neither of them are game changers and 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 any whites at this point in their careers uh so so i think an injury to dallas goddard especially if it was for an extensive amount of time i think that'd be pretty uh catastrophic to, to the equals offense yeah i agree with you that was the first one that came to mind for me 
I think you could make an argument for safety as well. Mm-hmm. Really, That's number two, definitely. Yeah, and, and not Chauncey Gardner Johnson because he's played so fantastic, but more because that would mean Kevon Wallace is on the field, and we Who saw shouldn't be happened. on this roster. Who should not yeah. be on this roster? I will say it every week. He should not have made this roster. I don't know how he did it. And, and we 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 saw that against Dallas. So if either Chauncey Gardner Johnson or Marcus Epps goes down. That could be catastrophic to your team. Put in blanket uh, shit before I see Kayvon, please. Yeah, I would be fine with that. <laughs> the other guys he mentioned, Jason Kelsey. You would obviously hate to lose Jason Kelsey, uh, what he means for the interior of the offensive line. But I, I feel good about really sustaining any offensive line injury with Jeff Stoutland. They just spent a second-round pick on the guy Jason Kelsey picked, who looked good in the preseason. Very good. So you wouldn't like that, but it wouldn't be insurmountable. A.J. Brown going down, you know, obviously – you don't want to say we just plug in Zach Pascal. AJ Brown's much better player. He he's a really good receiver, but with the amount of weapons that the Eagles have, I think they could sustain that. So I'm with you. Dallas Goddard is the biggest issue for me, and then followed closely behind safety. You want my uh, honorable mention? Uh, I would say I would say edge rusher is probably an honorable mention. So it's Graham Sweat Reddick. You can whatever you want to position you want to consider Reddick. Uh, the the depth is kind of shallow. I mentioned earlier since since uh, since the uh, season ending injury to to Derek Barnett and Taron Jackson hasn't been. You're 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 better at the all twenty two stuff than me, but I don't know if Taron Jackson has done anything of note this year to make you believe he can be a consistent edge rusher even in a rotational role. So I w- I would chalk that up to also edge rusher. If you lose Graham or Sweat or or God forbid Reddick uh, for for an extended amount of time, it's it's getting really thin there at edge rusher. Yeah, I will admit as I watch all 22, Taron Jackson is not typically my I didn't focal think so. point. Um, <laughs> not the guy yeah, we're circling on the film. <laughs> yeah, he's not the guy that I'm doing film breakdowns on. Maybe I should do that. But yeah, Derek Barnett, for as much as Eagles fans dislike Derek Barnett, him going down really hurt what the Eagles had at edge rusher in terms of depth. Um, if you if you look at just their snap counts over the season. It's Josh Sweat, it's Brandon Graham, and then, yeah, it's Taron Jackson that you see out there. That Kyron Johnson has played yeah. some, although he's been more rushing from a stand-up position. So I think their edge rushing depth is good, but if you got an injury, especially if that injury was to Josh Sweat, which would force Brandon Graham into more playing time. Like if it went the other way, if Graham got hurt and Sweat could pick up a <laughs> little more slack, that. Yeah. right. I'm not sure that Brandon Graham could could withstand playing 65, 70% of the snaps. So edge rusher is also one that that I could see being problematic if you lost somebody long-term. For a week or two, you could be fine. You could get over it long-term, yeah. Or short-term, right. rather. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to our next question. This one's always a fun one. Uh, people like to hear us rat ourselves out, so we'll oblige the listeners here. But Victor, what is the worst draft take that you have ever had? Oh uh, man, well I've had a few. I've had a few, and I and I notoriously call myself out every draft season. I'm like, yeah, this was the time. But it was me. I actually I actually have two that are tied. So number one, it was that I don't want Justin Jefferson because he's a slot receiver. That that was might have been the worst uh or worst analysis. Or you can't even call it analysis. Just the worst take, like probably I've ever put out on Twitter. I, because at the time, I'm sitting here like the the uh, I I can't even remember who was coming out as a as a decent slot receiver for the Eagles at the time. But they had slot guys, and I was like, we or, or no, they had outside guys, and they needed a uh, and they needed a. Uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I know I just know that Justin Jefferson 
was I, I was so stuck on him playing in the slot, and I was like, we need a we need an outside weapon for uh, for Carson Wentz at the time. So obviously he's the superstar that he is. Very very poor take there. And my other one is that I wanted no part of T Higgins. Definitely wanted nothing to do with T Higgins. Thought he was a big guy. We had Alshon. We don't need another big slow receiver. We need speed. We need quickness. We need explosiveness. T Higgins is not the guy. And now he's formed one of the greatest wide receiver tandems in the league with Jamar Chase. So. So uh, those are my two guys that I will I'll happily talk about. Not 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 proud of it though. <laughs> so we don't want to trust your wide receiver scouting, is what I'm hearing. Hey, oh, I was also very much on the Denzel Mims train in the draft as well. So <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not the guy. Dang, in, in hindsight, that is pretty bad. Maybe I'm not the guy to uh to listen to about uh, about wide receivers. <laughs> hey, everybody's got their position specialty, right? Oh man, I really loved Denzel Mims. I loved him so much in the draft. I wanted everything to do with Denzel Mims, and then he said what he said about Philly. And I was like, I can get over it. You can bring in Denzel Mims. And he's on the trade block. If you want to have a chance at Philly, man, come on. Come on down. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'll give two as well. Uh, one is worse than the other. But going back to the 2017 draft, uh, the Eagles, when they before they traded up to number two, when they were sitting at number eight, there was a mm. lot of quarterback talk. I did not want the Eagles to trade up to take a quarterback. In fact, what I wanted the Eagles to do was to trade back in that draft and target Paxton Lynch. Yeah, I was about to say Paxton has to be. <laughs> I, I fell in love with Paxton Lynch's arm talent at watching his film, watching his pro days, and I knew he wasn't a pro-ready guy, but my thought process was he didn't need to be. The Eagles had Sam Bradford. He was going to be the starter for that year. You could bring Paxton Lynch in, try to develop that. and They just you know, paid Bradford, too, like two years, $32 million or something like that. Yeah, an alternative universe – in a different situation, maybe Lynch does pan out, but I, I don't, I kind of don't think that was going to work out. So not many universes where, where Lynch works out. <laughs> yeah. So what I learned from that is that if John Elway likes quarterback, then I should not. You're in bad territory. You learn from Tebow, man. Come on. <laughs> I think that was all McDaniels to be honest, but <laughs> that's also true. Who's also not a good coach, by the way, as is evidenced by the Raiders. I'm tired of this Josh McDaniels getting chances as a head coach. It was evident the first time it's evident this time. Stop giving this guy head coaching opportunities. I'm over this. <laughs> or at least give him give him Dallas. Dallas might need a new head coach. Oh, yeah, please go to Dallas. I'd be happy with it. So my other one I'll go to, uh, this one is a draft pick the Eagles did make that I liked. Uh, I liked the J-Jaw pick. I was all on board the J-Jaw. You weren't trained. by yourself. You weren't by yourself. I, I, watched, I watched him in college, and I had him rated pretty highly because he was so good in contested catch situations. And uh, what I realized later is that if every catch you make in college is contested, that probably means you just can't get open. And we saw that the NFL physicality caught up with him. He couldn't do that anymore. Uh, so I, I'm kind of out on only contested catch guys. It's why I was a little nervous about Drake London in this draft. He was so much of a contested catch guy, but uh, I, I, I was enamored, but I tried not to get sucked in too much remembering what I learned from the J jaw thing. Yeah, well, I mean, you weren't alone there. the The catch radius was impressive. The separation was not. But in the second round, you could. What, what were the other guys? He was debating between like Paris Campbell and some other guys. So, so at, at the time, it sure it surely made sense. Um, and the whole like Drake London thing. First of all, Arthur Smith doesn't even know how to use Kyle Pitts or Drake London. I think Mariota threw. First of all, the Atlanta Falcons were down multiple scores for the majority of that game, and Marcus Mariota threw the ball fourteen times. Are you not throwing the ball when you're down? What is what is happening here? I don't know. I think that's the exact stat. 13 was a 14 pass attempt, something like that. And you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And what are you going to do? You're going to hand the ball off to your sixth round rookie running back. That is disastrous. I'm not a big Drake London guy, but he is being underutilized to the fullest extent 
in Atlanta. Sorry for that rant. They, no, no, you're right. They, they were down. I'll, I'll go on it too for just a second. I just went on this rant on Chalk Talk last night reviewing this game, but they were down 28 to 17 at half. And Marcus Mariota in the second half went three of six passing with 11 net, net passing yards. That's a disgrace. What is Arthur it, Smith doing over there? <laughs> they, they spent a, the number four overall pick on Kyle Pitts last year, and he has 178 yards through six games. They spent a top 10 pick on Drake London this year. And in the last four games combined, he's got 101 yards. Like, just put Desmond Ritter in already. But I'll get off that soapbox. It's not even Mariota's fault. It's Arthur Smith is handing the ball off to a six-round rookie running back. Why? Why are we doing this? You're not. Yeah, I at least act like you want to win the game. That when you, it's notoriously known in the NFL that when you are down, you're going to throw the ball more, and that is evident more than ever in sports gambling. Which is why I never do rushing, <laughs> rushing props because once you get away from the run, it's not going to hit unless you're a six-round rookie running back in Atlanta who apparently it doesn't matter if you're down five scores, you're still going to get carries for whatever reason. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. just start. So the gambling advice Victor's putting out here on the EPA podcast is take Falcons rushing overs this season. Oh, you could have. Yo, you would have made a lot of money if you did that last week. You would have you'd have made out well. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Our third question, it comes from Magnanimous Platypus on oh. Twitter, which is a great oh. name. Uh, he asked about the free agent and contract situations, which we sort of covered last week, so we won't relitigate all of that. We'll get a clearer picture as we go through the season. But the second part of his question is, uh, talking about the Jalen Hurts pending extension says, will Jalen Hurts ask for big money or do you think he'll go on a more modest deal so the team can retain talent? Well, he's not going to go on a modest deal, number one, because that is usually for uh, for uh, it's not like James Harden and you're taking team friendly contracts because you want to win a ring. This is uh, this is Jalen Hurts first big contract in the NFL, a contract a lot of people thought Jalen Hurts wouldn't even get or be offered or be in the realm of possibly getting his agent is very well. As we all know, this all women team he has are very powerful and they know how to negotiate and they're going to make sure that Jalen Hurts gets every single penny that he is deserved. And he's proving at least six games into the season that he is well worth that contract. There was a point in time where people were asking if he is potentially going to get Ryan Tannehill money. He is now potentially in line for Kyler Murray money, which is shocking to think about considering the narratives that were being made prior to the season. So I, I think he's in line. I don't think it's going to be like a six-year, probably maybe like a four-year uh, a four-year extension, something, something like that. I will say that three to four weeks ago, Jalen Hurts' market value was like $39.2 million. It has since gone up to $43.8 million average annual salary. $45 million a year this guy's going to be making. Do you know what that is, Shane? That is a four-year, damn near $200 million extension for a second-round pick that the Eagles should have never taken to begin with. Thank God it worked out, but it's still a poor use of resources in hindsight. And, yeah, Jalen Hurts, moral of the story, Jalen Hurts is not going to take some chump change $28 million a year contract. He's going to get every penny, as he should, if he's going to be the face of this franchise for the foreseeable future. Yeah, first of all, the – quarterbacks don't take below market value that's just not Never. a thing that, except for tom brady for a lot of years but there's we won't get into why he was doing that <laughs> there was um, a reason he did that <laughs> but yeah quarterbacks don't take below market deals and if a quarterback were going to do it it would be you know a quarterback in his upper 30s looking for that one last ring not a Matt guy Ryan. who's a second round draft pick that's <laughs> looking to get a big paycheck jalen hurts knows how he plays his agents telling him you oh, take a this. lot of hits. You need to get that money while you can because who knows how long your NFL career lasts. Uh, four years, $170 million ish that'd be a bargain, I think, for the That's Eagles. Like, if, you can, if you can get into that 40, 41, 42 million range, 
I think that's a bargain. Now, if I'm the Eagles, I would want more of that like four year extension, three, four year extension, not like a five, six, seven year extension, because yeah, I do have some concerns about the sustainability of this offense. Their offense is very simple. It's very ecology. That doesn't mean it's easy to stop, but teams that have run this style of offense, the Ravens, the the Cardinals, they've transitioned away from it and they've done it for a reason. Now the Eagles are getting great run out of it, but the question is how long will that last? And even beyond that, how long can Hertz take the hits that he takes and play at that level? We know that when mobile quarterbacks start to fall off, they tend to fall off. You look at Cam Newton, you even look at Russell Wilson. And so I'm all in on Jalen Hurts right now. I don't know if I want to right now say I'm all in on Jalen Hurts in 2028. So shorter (laughs) term, more average annual value is how I would want to structure that contract right now if I was Howie Roseman. Yeah, four years under 200 million would be would be would be good for me. I'd be I'd be stunned to this point if it's even remotely under 200 million. But but yeah, give 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 him around around uh, around that and I'd, I'd be good to go because like yeah to your point he takes he's taking more hits than ever this year and that's the way the offense is run and that's the way Jalen Hurts and Sirianni like it for now but is he going to be able to adapt as a passer obviously way too early now the early indications are encouraging uh, but we'll have to see how that development works out uh you know as as we move forward yeah okay and then our last question here and thank you to those of you that submitted questions uh comes from Asa Minor 12 Maybe I said that right. Maybe I didn't. Don't yell at me. Uh, They asked, what are some realistic trade targets for the Eagles with the trade deadline looming? And are there any players they might look to trade away? Uh, you can, I'll, I'll let you have the have the lead on this one because I feel like my targets are, are unique and I've been leading leading a lot. I'll give you the, the spotlight for this. Okay, well, I, I know you and I share this one. Uh, the tight end for the Denver Broncos, Alberto. I'm not going to try and say his last name. Alberto is good enough. Okay, wait a while, man. You can say it. You can say it. There you go. (laughs) So for the reasons that we talked about a Dallas Goddard injury being devastating, the Eagles' tight end usage is so key to their offense. They use Dallas Goddard in so many ways. They potentially need two. Even if Dallas Goddard is healthy, they they should go and get another one regardless. (laughs) Right, absolutely. The Eagles like to run 12 personnel, and they're really good at it. The problem is Jack Stoll is not much of a receiving threat. Nope. Grant Calcaterra, you can't even line up in line. He's basically he's not a receiving threat. Period. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> he had one nice little catch. Uh, was it last week? One little twenty yarder. That was that yeah. was nice. Uh, yeah, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. So when the Eagles do go twelve personnel, they're pretty well tipping their hand if it's run or pass by their second tight end. So Alberto, he's the odd man out. Greg Dulcich has been doing well in Denver. I think Alberto was in a game day and active last weekend. So the last two weeks. Uh, yeah, the last Healthy two scratch. weeks. So. Yep. He could be a cheap acquisition, not saying he's a Dallas Goddard level player, but he can block and he can receive. He gives you some versatility there. So he's the number one target I would love to see the Eagles go get at the trade deadline. I think he could be had for a day three pick. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. we're on the same page there. Albert Okawinabama, I want to say how you say his name, uh, has some work to do as a blocker, but he can block to your point. And he does give you uh, uh, another vertical threat in the offense for, for Jalen Hurts, which is beneficial. You know, they can't cover everybody. And if you leave Alberto open, he's at least going to catch and make some plays upfield. So I do like that uh, for, for, for the Eagles as well. I don't know how many other tight ends are going to be made available. I know Gusecki's name has been, has been running around. I'm not sure how serious Miami is. Uh, about that another I position like, i don't like gasecki for the eagles by the oh, way oh yeah not really why is that he can't block 
And yeah. so if you if you're <laughs> looking at him as a replacement for Dallas Goddard, he's not. Like if Dallas Goddard were to go down, he's not a replacement because he can't block and they use Goddard to block a lot in their running game. <laughs> and if you're looking at him as a second tight end, he's certainly a better receiving threat than Grant Calcaterra, but it presents the same problem of tipping your hand when you put them both on the field. So I'm not I'm out on Gasecki. I don't want him. Yeah, yeah, probably not the best ideal situation situation there. So so the two targets I think one of them is probably you've heard of and uh one uh, I think at safety, I think Jabril Peppers in New England makes a little bit of sense for the Eagles because we already talked about the safety depth or lack thereof. You're going to run out undrafted safety, Reed Blankenship, or a guy that should have been cut in training camp and Kayvon Wallace. We saw what happened when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was in and out of that game. It wasn't a fun time. I think Jabril Peppers gives you a quality backup at safety and also some uh, some return man experience, Britton Covey hasn't inspired much confidence, you know, returning kicks or punts or anything. <laughs> so I think Jabril Peppers kind of kind of doesn't kill two birds with one stone, but he does give you some things that you don't have right now. And the Patriots, he's only played like 33% of the snaps for the Patriots to this point. So I think that could be a, a good get for the Eagles. And uh, a lot of people making noise about, about running back. Uh, I think, and I don't know, Chicago used him a lot more last week, but I think David Montgomery would be, the Jay Ijayi parallel move for, for Howie Roseman. He's another guy. Uh, he's another guy on an expiring deal. So if you get him, you got to hope you can pay either Miles or, or Montgomery. One of the two has to stay for a late round pick. And I think the field that he excels in the most that the Eagles certainly don't have now is pass protection. Kenneth Gainwell is letting guys literally run by him <laughs> right to Jalen Hurts. You know, as the film guy, Kenny Gainwell is not even picking up guys. And I think David Montgomery as the 225 power guy can not only run in between the tackles and wear down defenses and complement with Miles Sanders. I think he can also pick up blocks well and and help out with blocking Jalen Hurt. So those are two guys I think would be beneficial to the Eagles as they gear up, obviously, for, for, a, for a long playoff run. Yeah, I, I like Peppers. I've heard his name a little bit for that return game and just the safety. Getting a safety makes a lot of sense, too, because it solves two problems for the Eagles. Mm -hmm. It solves the problem of what happens if Marcus Epps or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson goes down. It also solves the problem of what happens if Avante Maddox goes down, because you could put in a backup safety you felt comfortable with and then put Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back into the slot where he played so much in New Orleans. So it kind of gives depth at two positions. Another safety name that I thought of would be real familiar to Eagles fans is Rodney McLeod. Oh man. So Rodney McLeod obviously walks in free agency last year to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is basically phoned in the rest of the season. They're benching Matt Ryan. They're going to go with Sam Ellinger. So if they have decided that their, their playoff aspirations are over, maybe you could pick up the phone and make a call on a guy like McLeod who is not an exceptional player, but he's sure better than Kevon Wallace. So I wouldn't mind, you know, a seventh round pick for Rodney McLeod. You mentioned David Montgomery. He was also someone on my list just for his power running ability, kind of the downhill running, pass protection. I do kind of think that the Eagles are probably not going to make a move at running back. If they were going to make a move at running back, it's hard to believe that they wouldn't have topped a sixth-round pick for James Robinson, uh, who just got traded to the Jets from Jacksonville. Did anybody know he was available? I heard nothing about that until until that trade, but knowing Howie, he probably had some inclination by then. Yeah, I, I didn't know he was available, but I find it hard to believe that Howie doesn't have like a spreadsheet with every player that's available, <laughs> and he's everyone's first call. So, you know, I would have liked that fit. They didn't do that. It was such a small price. And so it makes me think 
that they're not in on a running back, or I guess it could be that they already have a line on one and we'll wait to see, but, and neither of us mentioned edge rusher. There's been a lot of edge rusher names yeah. that have flown around. I, Robert Quinn, obviously. I didn't mention it because the names are too, are too rich, which is, which is why like Bradley yeah. Chubb, like I've written about, but like, I, I just don't know how he does it. Like another expiring deal definitely going to cost. I mean, if they can make it work for a day two pick just for the sheer fact that he's battled injuries and uh, again, an expiring contract, but man, he is a player at a premium position, a position that the Eagles already have 85 million tied into between Reddick and Josh Sweat. I, I just, I just don't know if, if Howie invests uh, a precious asset into a position that A he's already invested in, and two, it's just, it's just that 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 contract's gonna be something. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're probably still an injury away from making an edge move. Like if you go out this weekend and Brandon Graham got hurt, I have to believe they'd probably make a move. But I think your most likely moves are probably tight end, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a safety. And I think that lines up. That lines up with what I view as their biggest needs. Are there any? Uh, are there any middle of the pack edge rushers that you think the Eagles? That you know, I, I'm not saying like to the extent of like you know, I don't want to see Jannard Avery deals again. But like, is there any like middle of the pack edge rushers to your knowledge that that could be available? I can't think of any. All we're seeing is Burns and Chubb and Robert Quinn. I don't. I don't know who are any. You know, just just uh, just serviceable guys, but you know, aren't aren't you know lighting the league on fire. Yeah, uh, there's the guy from the Texans, and I, his name's escaping me. Greenway, maybe? I can't remember. There's there's an edge rusher for the Texans that it's been rumored he could be moved and the Eagles might have some interest there. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I, I think I think tight end safety is the much better play for the Eagles than edge rusher. And then the other thing is, are there any players the Eagles might look to trade away? Now, typically you don't see a team that's undefeated heading into the trade deadline, making moves. The only player that could potentially make sense is Andre Dillard. Uh, He's not super valuable as a backup because he can only play one position. And so if you're keeping him active on game day just to play left tackle, you also have to keep Jack Driscoll active to play right tackle. Expiring deal too, right? right guard. He's on an expiring deal. deal. Yeah. So if you're Howie Roseman, would you be willing to listen to an offer for Diller? Do you just say no because we're trying to go win a Super Bowl this year? Oh uh, yeah, I think I think you have to. You have other positions that 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 you need to solidify. And Dillard, and I'm not, it's his fault of his known hasn't hasn't made an impact this year. Obviously, he's in a reserve role. And if my lot, if we lose my lot, we've proved that we can hold down the fort even without Andre Dillard. So I think it'd be wise for Howie to at least listen to offers if somebody's going to come calling. He's stockpiling these picks. If he gives up a day two pick for whatever he's going to do at the deadline, then he could recoup that pick as he's been known to do with with Andre Dillard. Uh, I think that's a win for for both sides. Uh, John Greenard is the guy uh, you were talking about yeah. with, the, with the Texans. Yeah, so yeah, Greenard, not Greenland, so, so. Greenyard, Greenway, not Greenway, <laughs> not Green Day, no. Green something. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so I think I think it would benefit both sides for Howie to listen to a deal. Uh, for Andre Dillard, I, I know you said that. Uh, well, I guess we'll wrap up on this. Uh, I know you said it's it's not likely the Eagles do anything at running back, but Melvin Gordon could be a guy. Could could be another guy. I don't know what he provides in pass protection. I'm not sure, but obviously not very happy in Denver. And maybe he he does something here. Yeah, I wouldn't hate I wouldn't hate a Gordon move. He, I think he's a very talented running back. He's had some ball security issues. Fumbling galore. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a long enough track record that it's an issue. But then again, like fumbling, it is such a luck-based thing too. Sometimes you can do everything right and the ball gets punched out with a perfect hit, whatever. Uh, it's been a long enough track record. He's got some ball security issues, but the talent's there. Um, 
you know, ultimately with the Eagles, I don't think running back is as big of a threat or as big of a need. It's not. It's, it's a luxury thing, yeah. Because the offensive line is so good. Uh, Jalen Hurts is such a primary part of your running game. It, a mobile quarterback makes lesser running backs look good because the quarterback has to be accounted for. And the Eagles don't just have a mobile quarterback. They've got an elite offensive line. So I know people that are big Miles Sanders guys, they want to take a victory lap on Miles Sanders having played well this year. And I'm not saying he hasn't played well, but Miles Sanders literally has the easiest job in the NFL. What's your deal with Miles Sanders, man? He's coming from a place of hate, man. What's wrong with you? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying he's got the easiest job in the NFL. He's running behind an elite line with a mobile quarterback. And so if he goes down, if you're forced into Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, Trey Sermon for the rest of the year, you will notice a drop-off. I just think the margins are so big in the running game that it wouldn't make as big of a difference as people think. Right, and that's why that they were only tentatively, tentatively, like, in passing interest in, like, Christian McCaffrey. And I don't think, as talented as McCaffrey is, I don't think that's a fit for Philly's offense because, uh, number one, his versatility as a receiver is what makes him so valuable, right? And when you have a mobile quarterback... I'm not sure that that works because it's not like there's a whole lot of check down throws available when you're a rushing. Qu- it's not like he's dumping off to McCaffrey. Hertz is up the field by the time a check down is even thought about. Like Hertz is literally his own check down. So uh, I don't I don't think like pass catching backs are a thing. Um, so, so yeah. So even when I heard the McCaffrey, like I, I I knew from the rip, like there's no shot in hell he's giving up a premium pick for McCaffrey, which is why he offered what a third, fourth, whatever it was. So. Straight up as a running back, if you take away the receiving ability. McCaffrey's not that much. He's not a good running back. He's not a good runner. Yeah. Or not a great runner. He's a good, he's not a great runner, like his versatility. And he's going to be cracked out with Shanahan. So I I will say like him, Debo, all of them perfect for what they do, but for Philadelphia, not the most, not not the most, uh, not the most ideal. Uh, Shane (laughs) one, I will ask you this. We were talking about the uh, corners and the safeties. Are you telling me that you're more confident in Chauncey Gardner Johnson at the nickel and Rodney McLeod at safety? than you are, with Josiah Scott at nickel and Chauncey Gardner Johnson at safety. <laughs> You're not a Josiah Scott fan, are you? <laughs> I, no. I, I, yeah, I would be. Uh, you know, pending Rodney McLeod not looking like garbage, but he was fine last year. Josiah he was fine Scott the second was, half of last year. The first half was kind of rough. Right, him. right. Well, and he was coming off of injury, too, right, I believe, right. at the beginning of last year. So Josiah Scott did fine when he was in, but it did limit the Eagles' ability to play their zone match coverages. They had to get into more man coverages because Scott wasn't passing off or outs that well. So, I mean, Scott's fine. I, I do think, though, you, you need a backup safety. And so if you had one, yes. I, I, I would love the ability to plug Chauncey back into the slot should Avante Maddox go down. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely there. So, yeah, so so the red flags we, we have circled here. Backup tight end, backup safety, potentially running back if they want to swing that direction, and an edge rusher for sure. As the uh, November 1st trade deadline looms six days away, Howie is prone. I think he's made a deal with the buzzer every every year for the last, like, four years. There was Avery. There was Ajayi. Uh, Golden Tate, I think, one year. So he's 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 something's going to happen. Something And Golden Tate, mind you, won us a playoff game, so let's not act like Golden Tate didn't do us anything. <laughs> and the moves typically come like the day of or the night before the hour of the hour (laughs) 358 like in 59 seconds that's when how it likes to pull these things off but that wraps up uh this week's episode of the eagles player analysis podcast with myself victor williams partner here shane half you can find me everywhere on twitter instagram tiktok at the philly pod be sure to tune in for all my coverage at the liberty line.com and uh catch up on all the pods as well over at the Philly Pod. Search that on all 
platforms that you get your podcast. Shane, what you got coming up? What you got in the fold? Where can the people find you and your content? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. Getting that change, uh, right? You're working on it? Yeah. Twitter's <laughs> you wanted being to get dumb. verified and I look at you. <laughs> yeah, Twitter's being dumb, so I don't know if I can get it changed. But uh, you can find me on Twitter there. My link tree is there to YouTube. Uh, you can search out at Chalk Talk on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or if you like the video format, it's on my YouTube as well. Every Tuesday night, uh, I go live with Mark Henry Jr. And we do a full NFL review. So last week, we re- or last night, we reviewed all of the Week 7 games. So you can go check those out. And of course, my All-22 stuff will come out on YouTube. Nothing coming out this week. No Eagles game to break down. But I'll be back to it next week. Trying to figure out how to get all the content done between Sunday and Thursday and then turn around and do it again. So yeah, man, crazy week. Uh, we don't got no all 10 uh, Sixers. Uh, no, no Sixers film. No, not your fourth. <laughs> no, not, not my thing. Not my thing. Nah, that's all right. I appreciate you guys uh, for tuning in to another episode of the EPA podcast. We'll come at you guys again next week, diving into all X's and O's and hopefully your Philadelphia Eagles will be seven and no by then from Victor Williams from Shane half. We'll catch you guys on the next one right here at bleeding green nation. <laughs>